It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, welcome to another episode of THN on the O. As always, I'm Tony Ferrari, joined by Brock Otten. How you doing this week, Brock? Good, Tony. How you doing? Not too bad. We've got a good episode this week. Going to go over the three stars, team of the week as always. Then we decided to do our own little version of the coaches poll, talking about some of the more interesting kind of categories around the OHL that will be just kind of discussed by the coaches and put out there. But let's get to our three stars of the week first. Evan Veerling with nine points in three games, three goals, six assists. The guy that's improved a lot this year, kind of working to prove that he deserves an NHL contract. What did you think about his year so far, or his week so far? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, NHL teams, what are you waiting for? Come on, we got to get this guy in ELC. Um, he's, he's been playing tremendous, I would say, the entire second half of the year. And um, another good week. He's somebody that we've talked about for, for other weeks in the last little bit as being a candidate for our three stars or, or being part of our three stars. He's really stepping up his game uh, to close out the year, getting into the playoffs. I think – Probably his performance in the playoffs is going to be the real deciding factor as to whether he earns an ELC. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me now that we're past that March 1st deadline if somebody does sign him or if, if he's one of the few OHL OAs that does get a contract. Yeah, he's a guy that I've mentioned it before on the podcast that he has the mobility, the playmaking. He's got so many skills that you want from a guy that's going to be a good NHL prospect. He was drafted. He wasn't signed. We're kind of just waiting at this point to see who he signs with because I expect someone to at least sign him to an AHL deal and see what goes from there. But let's move on to our second star, Christian Kairou, seven points on the week. Good week for a defenseman, five assists and two goals in three games. What would you like about his game? Yeah, he's just fitting in seamlessly with with uh, Sarnia. I feel like that was a great acquisition by them. He was exactly what that team needed, and he's really been a spark plug for them. He's one of the better offensive defenders in the OHL with – his combination of mobility and poise on the back end. And he just elevates every other player on that lineup. Yeah, he's a really creative player. And you mentioned that the mobility has been a big aspect this year. And that was something I thought needed to be improved upon last year. And I think he's taken a step there. And we've seen in his game, just kind of diversifying his offensive tool set because he always had the creativity and the skill. It was just about being able to kind of get to get around the offensive zone a little bit more crisply. And he's done that really well so far this year. Now, for our third star, we go with a goalie, as we always try to do, and squeezing one of those guys in here. And it's Tristan Lennox this week, second on his goalie, with a 1.44 goals against average, 967 save percentage. He had a win and a loss, but he had a 59-save shutout against Peterborough. What what are you seeing from this guy? He's been in our three stars of the week a couple times recently. Yeah, I think part of the reason we put him in there, too, because he signed his ELC, which, which was great for him, because we had talked about him previously when we had um, – our goaltending expert on there. And uh, he said that he was on the bubble and we kind of agreed. Right. So it was great to see the Islanders actually sign him. Um, and he had another really good week. Uh, I think he kind of helped Saginaw get out of a bit of a funk the last couple of weeks, um, really playing well down the stretch and helping them sort of try to lock up a top four spot in the Western conference. That shutout against Peterborough was fantastic. Played phenomenal in that game. Yeah. As you mentioned, when we had Greg on, he was able to kind of talk about the tracking ability that Lennox has. And I think that's something you've always noticed about his game. And, and the way this kid's developed over the last few years, it's been really interesting because 
he was a guy that was pretty highly regarded initially, especially in his draft year. And he didn't have the best draft year. He got drafted a little later than maybe some people expected. But this is a really talented goaltender. So it was good to see him have another good week, as you, as you mentioned. He's been kind of the backbone of that Saginaw team after the trade deadline. Yeah, especially with, you know, some of the injuries that they've had in the last, we'll say, two or three weeks. Uh, Michael Misa being the big one. Yeah, it's been unfortunate to see a guy like Michael Misa, who, like we've talked about before, we we're hoping to see kind of challenge that century mark and the scoring rate's falling off a little bit, but still one heck of a player. And, and that Saginaw team certainly needed a guy like Tristan Lennox to stand tall and be the backbone of that team in the last few weeks. Let's get to our team of the week, though. This week, we're talking about the New Jersey Devils prospects in the OHL. And they only have one, and it's Chase Stillman, a guy that plays for Peterborough. 18 goals, 26 assists for 44 points in 51 games. 62 penalty minutes. He's got a minus eight rating. Not necessarily the season we expected from him or hoped for, really, as a New Jersey Devils fan. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for you, Tony, but when the Devils took him as high as they did, it, it really shocked me. I, I thought that Stillman would be in that sort of like mid to late second round. Uh, I think that's where a lot of us had him. Um, and then when they went and took him in the first round, it was kind of like, a, whoa. But it was also like, okay, I, I kind of see the reasoning behind it, right? He was somebody who... We hadn't seen play a lot because he had to go overseas during that OHL, we'll call it missing year. Um, good bloodlines, good sort of a high floor, possibly a higher ceiling too, depending on how his offensive game developed. I just don't think the offensive game has really developed the way that we had hoped it might. Um, I think the puck skill is probably even below average for, for the NHL level. I don't think the shot has developed. I don't think his offensive instincts have developed incredibly well so now i think we're looking at somebody who's going to be carving out a career as a third fourth liner probably even more of like a fourth line energy guy uh, i think the other interesting too, thing too is when i think about his brother riley he had improved so much over the course of his ohl career um and chase just hasn't really done that i, I feel like he hasn't taken that uh, or he hasn't had that steep development curve that riley did and um I don't know what kind of NHL career Chase is going to have uh, at this point, especially as, as a former first-round pick, right? Yeah, Chase is a guy that I had a little bit lower on my board than most. And I had a few people tell me, oh, maybe you might regret having him in the, the late third round just because he is a guy that provided a little bit of energy. He was a guy that would get in there physically, mix it up. And there was signs of a good offensive game developing. It just never quite came along. And maybe he's just a victim of that OHL last year and – there's a lot of guys in his age range that, at the end of the day, suffer from not having that year in the OHL, finding having to find time overseas, having to find time in basically rec leagues. It, it was kind of a, a weird year for a lot of guys in the OHL during during that 2020 season. This might just be a, a factor of that, and it's unfortunate, but a guy like Chase Stillman doesn't really present a, a ton of NHL upside at this point. He might be a really good AHLer that you can call up and be a depth guy. You're looking for that that development, like you said, his brother had. He hasn't quite had it, and that OHL last year might be a big reason for that. Yeah, I think the key is improving his play off the puck, especially in the defensive end. I think if Chase wants to make the NHL and be a longtime NHL player, he's going to have to really become a really good PK guy. He's going to have to be really good in his own end. He's going to have to continue to bring that energy and physicality that he does. And I would say that's sort of like his one 
above average characteristic. And that can take you places, especially um, if other parts of his game, especially his skating, can can increase a little bit more as a pro. Um, he's going to have to alter his game, and it's possible. Um, he's somebody that I do think is going to take some time in the AHL. He's going to take time getting up to speed. He's probably going to play lower down the lineup to start and then work his way up. But I don't really see somebody who even has top nine upside at this point. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because – he was drafted so highly, so the guys like that tend to get a little bit more leeway, a little bit longer leash uh, as they kind of progress towards the pros. But at the end of the day, he might end up being just a really good, solid AHL guy, and every organization needs those guys. So I think at the end of the day, I think he will have a pro career. Where it ends up, that's going to be the question that he has to answer over the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree. And there's always guys like Stillman or, or the suggestion that you're – you're saying here, Tony, uh, you know, uh, immediately one that came to mind was Colin Greening, right? A guy that yeah. has come up. He's played a little bit in the NHL, um, spent a lot of time in the AHL, probably has a similar skill set to Stillman, kind of average across the board, except for maybe in physicality and tenaciousness. Um, and that can only carry you so far. Yeah, agree to there. But let's move on to the coaches poll that we've put together for ourselves. We took some of the top or some of the categories that they've taken the last couple of years and picked a few guys of our own. Uh, so kind of get into the background of the coaches poll and maybe what fans don't quite understand about it. Yeah. So for those that are unfamiliar, the OHL coaches poll is done annually. Um, a ballot goes out to OHL coaches to fill out. Each team puts forward one player per team per category. So um, the one criticism I see when you read the results or you see the results and you read the comments on the results from a lot of people is, oh, where's so-and-so? Where's this? Where's this person? Well, the reality is, you know, the London Knights or Windsor Spitfires or Peterborough Peets can't have all three players in the same category. Uh, it's just not the way the OHL coaches poll works. Each team puts forward one player per category to vote on. And then the coaches uh, in the OHL vote on um, who they believe should be the top player in those uh, particular categories. Then it's put together and we have sort of a, a one, two, three ranking for each category. And the categories are very different. You have most improved, uh, you have best goal score, you have best shot, you have best defensive defenseman, best offensive defenseman, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm sure those of you who follow the league are very familiar because it's been around forever. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a fun exercise, Tony, just to go over some of these and, and see what, what you and I think before the real one comes out and usually, um, like mid March, end of March. So maybe in a couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it was a fun exercise to do. It had me rocking my brain. I, I it put a couple of Eastern conference guys in the Western conference, had to switch it up. And even still, I, I managed to forget one of those guys and mix those up. And you had to text me right before this. So I had to kind of get on the horse and, get going again, checking out other guys and making sure that I was going to pick the, the right guy for the right subject. But let's start off with the most underrated player for the Eastern Conference. Who's your guy? So I'm with Ryan Gagne, and here's why. Uh, we had talked about him being somebody that maybe was likely to move at the OHL trade deadline as an OA on a team that uh, was rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call the generals. And he was somebody that brings energy, can play in sort of any situation, real veteran of the league. I thought there'd be a market for him. And ultimately there wasn't. And I think teams made a mistake. And I think he's had a really good second half of the year. We've had him in our three stars 
um, before. And Oshawa now is looking like a playoff team. Kingston has fallen out. Uh, they've had a really bad second half. And Oshawa's had a good second half. Um, and Gagne has been one of the driving forces of that. And I feel like that sort of made him my first choice for most underrated player in, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and my guy is David Goyette here. I think he's a guy that had a lot, a little bit of hype coming into his draft year. The, the star faded a little bit during his draft year, but he was still drafted fairly high. And then he hasn't been talked about a whole lot. I think he's one of the best playmakers in the OHL right now. He's got such a great passing game, and he's developed his shot over the last couple of years as well. So I think David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves is a really, really underrated player. He doesn't get the love that maybe he deserves, but it won't shock me when he's playing in the middle six, setting up a couple guys in the NHL maybe in a few years. He's a really, really interesting player. So moving on to your Western Conference guy, I think both of us put on two guys here for this, this category just because the underrated category is always a fun one. Yeah, this one was it was a really tough one for me. So I went with Matthew Poitra and Gavin Hayes, two guys who were drafted last year, um, who I think have really taken nice steps forward this year. Hayes has been a difference maker for Flint, and Poitra has quietly been one of the better playmakers in the OHL this year, even though Guelph um, largely has disappointed in comparison to their expectations in the preseason. They've been really good in the second half, and Poitra uh, in particular has been really good. So I feel like those two are two recent draftees who have thus far outperformed their draft slot. Yeah, and my I went with two guys here as well just because I felt like they both deserved a little bit of love. The first guy was Sean McGurn from the London Knights, guy that's leading the team in scoring right now, undrafted. Wait, I'm, he's a guy that I'm also kind of looking to see. Is he going to get an NHL contract or an AHL contract at the end of the year? This is a guy that he, he was affected by that OHL last year as well. And he's kind of had to earn his spot, as most Londonites do. He's worked his way up the lineup. Now he's the captain of the team. He's done so many good things for that Londonites team. Then the other guy I've got is Jacob Millette from the, uh, from the Windsor Spitfires. Just a guy that every time I go to a game, he seems to impress me with something. He's got a really good shot. His skating isn't quite the best, but he's another guy that you're looking at and you're like, maybe he's just one of those guys that can carve out a pro career, maybe it's not at the NHL, maybe it's at the AHL or over in Europe, because he has some of the tools and he's able to kind of find success every everywhere he goes. So he's another guy that I think deserves a, a little bit of love as one of the underrated guys. Yeah, I, I love your choices there, Tony. I, I, any of those four, I think, make perfect sense. Now, going to the most improved player, this is one of the funner ones as well. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. Who is your guy? I went with Nick Lardis, and I think you can kind of look at this in two ways. One, in comparison to last year, his OHL rookie season to this year, he's vastly improved. But also just from the beginning of the year with Peterborough to now with Hamilton, where he's suddenly become one of the best goal scorers in the OHL. I mean, that's such a steep improvement curve. Um, and I think he's a slam dunk for me for most improved in the East. Yeah, Nick Lourdes was going to be my guy initially. But I wanted to differentiate and give someone else some love. So I looked at Ty Nelson, a guy that... While he had a good year last year, obviously drafting the second round, there's a guy here that I think has taken a step. He's he's improved his defensive game and is just his kind of defensive awareness. He still remains that undersized physical guy. And his offensive game has started to come along this year in a way that I didn't think it was quite there last year. He was getting some points last year, but that cerebralness that we saw coming into the OHL was lacking a little bit. Maybe it was a coaching thing, whatever it may be. But he started to develop that killer instinct this year, and it's been really, really fun to see. So who's your Western Conference guy for most improved? 
Uh, so I know you and I both have the same guy for this one, Tony, and that's Rodwin Dionisio. Um, again, I, I felt like he was already looking pretty good in Niagara, and I know that's kind of tough to do uh, this year with how bad Niagara has been. But since the trade to Windsor, since coming back from, back from the World Juniors, he's just been incredible. He's been one of the better defenders in the OHL. And um, as an 4 I think not only is he one of the most improved players in the OHL, but he's now somebody I think is firmly on the draft radar again and probably a likely selection. Yeah, I had I had Dionisio as well, a guy that I think definitely deserves to be drafted this year. Seeing his development and just the more kind of assertiveness he's taken that since he's been in Windsor, it certainly deserves some love. But just so I wasn't a homer, I went with Amadeus Lombardi, a guy that has shown so much growth over the last couple of years. I think he's really developed that next step this year. His skills always been there. He's kind of started to round out his game. Really good shooter, really good playmaker. An incredibly skilled player for Flint. So I think he deserves some love here as well. Let's move on to the best playmaker. Your guy for the Eastern Conference. Uh, it's Brent Clark. Um, I thought about the guy that you're going to talk about in a second. Um, ironically, another defenseman. But I feel like if we're talking about the East, it, it could have been maybe Logan Morrison. Um, he's right up there. But I just think that Clark is the best pure playmaker, regardless of position in the OHL. Or not in the OHL, but in, in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, I went with Pavel Minchikov, like like you said, another defenseman. Just one of the most skilled, best passers in the, in the OHL, especially in the Eastern Conference. A guy that just understands how to create plays from nothing at times. Like you said, Brent Clark certainly deserves to be mentioned here. Logan Morrison's another name. But for our Western Conference guy, we had the exact same guy, and it really wasn't close for either of us. So who, who was it? It's Ty Boyd. Um, look, uh, Shane Wright's obviously eligible for this. Uh, as well but when we're talking about the best playmaker in the OHL in my opinion it's it's Ty Voigt um, he is just so intelligent with the puck so crafty so skilled so elusive um, you could throw a million different adjectives to describe him in there uh, he is somebody that has taken a really nice step forward this year and I think is, is a slam dunk to be named the best playmaker yeah I agree with you on all those points the Leafs prospect's been so good this year leads the OHL in assists in the second or third in points this is the guy that's been absolutely dominant as a playmaker this year, and he's only improved his starting, he's improved the roster. So it's been, it was an easy choice, to say the least, for the best playmaker in the OHL. Let's go with the best shot, starting in the Eastern Conference for you. So best shot, I've got Brennan Offman. And this one was kind of tough. Um, there's definitely a lot of candidates. I don't think Offman's had the kind of year we expected in Peterborough, but I do think if we're talking about best pure shot, um, in the Eastern Conference, it's probably off when I thought about Ty Nelson. I thought about Lardis, actually. Um, both of those guys have absolute cannons, too. But Offman, I think, has the most diverse portfolio uh, of shooting ability. So that's why I went with him. Yeah, I went with the, the guy you mentioned last there, uh, Nick Lardis, a guy that's an OHL draft eligible. And like you said, he's just been an absolute beast since the trade. He's been a guy that's been so fun to watch, especially in the second half of this year. I think he's going to be a guy that gets drafted a little bit lower than he should and is going to surprise and, and be one of the better goal scorers to come out of the OHL for this draft class. Now, going on to the uh, Western Conference, you had the draft eligible this time, so who was that? It's Colby Barlow. And again, this was a really tough one. The West is loaded with sharpshooters, for, for lack of a better term. Um, and I just like Colby Barlow. I feel like he's really elevated his game, um, especially lately, too. Uh, I feel like he's just been really consistent all year long. Um, he's another guy like Offman that has a very diverse um, scoring ability. 
you can score in a lot of different ways, but when you get down to just the the bare bones of it all, he, he's got a great shot, great release, uh, can score from anywhere on the ice. Yeah, I like that pick there, but I went with Matt Maggio, the guy that plays in my backyard, leads the OHL in goal scoring right now, and at the end of the day, it came down to much similar to the way that you chose Brandon Hoffman. I just think Matt Maggio has the best arsenal of shots in, in the Western Conference. I think he's able to score on the backhand in tight from distance. He's got a quick snapshot, a good one-timer. This is a guy that there's a reason he's leading the OHL in goal scoring. And he's been so fun to watch this year, especially because he has been a guy that, like you said earlier, has improved from the last couple of years into the guy that might win the MVP this year. Yeah, uh, Maggio is, is a great choice too, man. Like uh, it's like I said, really hard to disagree with a, a variety of choices from the Western Conference. I mean, you could have even said Shane Wright from Windsor too. He's somebody that I'm sure Windsor will put forward Maggio instead of Wright, but uh, Wright's shot isn't one worth uh, sleeping on as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who guys, which which guys teams choose to nominate. That'll be one of the, the more interesting things to kind of track as we go forward through this. But now let's move on to the best body checker. A really interesting category because it could go a million different ways here. Yeah, so starting for the East, I went with Connor Punnett, uh, defenseman for Barry. Uh, since he's come into the league, he's been a, a physical force. He's the kind of guy that consistently catches players coming across the blue line. Um, real sort of throwback, old school physical defender. Um, and when I think of the Eastern Conference body checkers, he's the first one that always comes to mind. Yeah, I went with Lean Armsby here, a guy that I think – Every time I seem to watch him, he throws one big hit at least a night. He's always throwing hits throughout the night, but there's always one that I go, ooh, I would not want to be on the, the receiving end of that one. So he was the first guy to pop into my mind for the for the Eastern Conference. Who was your guy for the West? For the West, I went with Cameron Morton, another defenseman, just uh, tough as nails. Um, veteran defender in the league, somebody who just competes hard, is very tough to play against. Um, you know, he can hit you in the open heist, but he's also just really tough to, to win space against um, behind the net, near the net, anywhere below the hash marks, really. Um, so he's sort of the first one that came to mind in the West, I think. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Morton leads the entire NH or OHL in hits. So he's a very good choice there. I went in a different way again with Colson Petrie, just a guy that's always seeming to hit somebody. It's not always the biggest hit. It's not always the 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 bomb like I'm talk I was talking about with Liam Armsby, but he does deliver some of those. But it's always just relentless on the puck. He's always going to take the body, and that's kind of part of his game. There's been a number of times this year where he'll hit a guy in the offensive zone, take the puck away, and set up a play. So there's been a number of those cases, and that's why he got he got my uh, best hitting because that functional physicality is something I always look for. Yeah, I love that pick too. Petrie was definitely somebody that I thought of along with Morton, and, and so was actually his teammate in Kulakov, um, mm -hmm. another very physical defender in Erie. All right, now let's move on to the best defensive forward for our second last category here, starting with the Eastern Conference. So a guy that you've already shown some love to, but Liam Armsby. I think Armsby is somebody that just consistently draws very difficult assignments for the uh, opposing teams um, and somebody who really seems to enjoy and excel at shutting down the opposition's best. And part of it is the physicality component, like you said, but also just he's so intelligent in his own end, um, always in the right position always battling, always competing. Um, so he was my first choice. Yeah, my first choice here went to Josh Bloom, a guy that we've had on the show. 
Uh, just a really smart player. He understands how to play on the penalty kill, which factors into this big time for me. He understands how to kind of be in the right position in the, in the defensive zone and then break the puck out the other way. So he was my choice there in the, in the Eastern Conference. Who is your Western Conference guy? So Western one maybe might be a bit of a surprise for people because maybe he's somebody that should be mentioned as part of the underrated category. But I went with Marco Sikic. Anytime I watch Sarnia play, I just am always drawn to how good he is in the neutral zone and the defensive end. It just seems like he's always, you know, getting his stick in passing lanes. He's always just around the puck. He's got great anticipation without the puck. Um, the offensive skill is is obviously just average. I don't necessarily believe that he's uh, an NHL prospect per se, but um, when I think of really strong defensive forwards in the OHL, he's not one name that just never disappoints in that area. Yeah, and my guy here is Matthias Sapovalov versus Saginaw, a guy that uses his length effectively. He's clearly not the best skater. I think that's something we both kind of commented on throughout the podcast history. But he's just so intelligent. He gets to his spot so well. One of the best penalty killers, in my opinion, in the OHL in terms of just understanding how to disrupt play and get the puck to safety. I think Sapovalov is a really underrated defensive guy. Much like you mentioned with Sitchich, not the best offensive guy. He's almost a point-of-game player. But he's a bit older for to be a guy that should be a little bit higher scoring offensively. But he could end up being a really good bottom six forward at the NHL level that has that penalty killing versatility. Yeah, the thing with uh, Savalov is his stick is great. He's just he's long. I mean, when I think of him, I think of how the NBA is sort of obsessed with with wingspan yeah. in terms of defenders, right? And I just feel like Savalov doesn't even need to be an elite skater because his stick is everywhere. He's just kind of like waluigi out there like an octopus just knocking away everything um it's really tough to to escape his his grasp um for lack of a better term there yeah and like, like we mentioned before with a guy that's a, a a subpar skater you look for something that differentiates him and allows him to overcome that that reach the intelligence really does that for sapovalov but let's move to our final category and that we went with best defensive defenseman and let's start with the eastern conference here so i'm with jack mateer um i think just a, a phenomenal defensive defenseman. I thought he was great for, for Team Canada at, at the World Juniors. Um, somebody that probably is going to be a shutdown defenseman at the NHL level too, moving forward, or that's the type of prospect that he um, sort of seems best fit for. Uh, really good player for, for Ottawa and somebody that I think now that our Western Conference candidate is now in the Western Conference instead of the East is – a slam dunk for best defensive defenseman. Yeah, I really want to go with Jack Matier here as well. And he, like you mentioned, he's kind of the slam dunk choice for defensive defenseman. But I went a little bit differently. I went with Brant Clark, who's made surprise some people. And the big thing with Clark is that he's so effective right now at the OHL level at just kind of guiding a guy to the outside and taking the puck. It's not even that he's this incredibly defensive guy. He just understands how to manipulate an oncoming attacker at the OHL level take the puck and turn it into offense. And when you're playing as much offense as Brent Clark is, your defensive game ends up looking way, way better. So I think this is the, kind of the perfect guy in the modern game where people go, oh, you don't need to play defense if you're playing offense all the time. And Brent Clark is the guy that kind of does that best, in my opinion, in the OHL. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you, Tony, <laughs> but uh, I can definitely see the reasoning there. Um, I think that, when you look at the concept of the best defense is a good offense, obviously Clark sort of fits that bill, right? Yeah. 
Now let's move on to a guy that we both agree on in the, in, I think we both uh, have the opinion that he's maybe the best defensive blue liner in the OHL period for the Western conference. Who's our guy? It's Ethan Dalmastro. And I kind of alluded to it with our, or my Eastern conference choice. Yeah. He's just the best defensive defenseman in the OHL. Uh, He's somebody that is suffocating, um, you know, is a good skater for somebody his size too, which really helps him um, defend well in transition. He defends well down low. Um, He's just a defensive beast. Yeah. This is a guy that I think he has all of the tools that you want as, as a defensive defenseman. He's a physical presence. He's able, he's got a really good stick. He understands how to angle guys off, guide them to the areas that he wants them to go, and then just kind of do his work along the boards in the corners and, and take that puck and move it up ice effectively. We talked about I talked about how Brent Clark does a really good job of just kind of playing defense by not having to play defense. And and Ethan Del Mastro does a lot of that as well because he'll let you kind of come towards him and then he just overpowers you envelops you just kind of covers everything that you caught and of wish you could do and then just takes the puck and moves it on it, it's not it's almost not fair at times the way this guy's able to kind of defend in the ohl it's gonna be really fun to see him kind of move up the next level over the next couple of years yeah and he's somebody that we i mean could be a candidate for best body checker as well he's very yeah. physical force um and that's part of his success uh in terms of defending too right um question for you though tony We've talked about a bunch of different categories, and that obviously wasn't all of them. Um, we probably only talked about a third of the categories. Yeah. Um, but if there was a category you'd like to see added to the coaches' poll, so one that not necessarily one that um, you know we didn't talk about. Obviously, there's others, but one that isn't included in the OHL coaches' poll at all. Is there one that you can think of off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I know they they cover most intelligent. They they have stuff like that. I think maybe a most creative player would be interesting because they don't necessarily do that just in its own right. So I think creativity is something that I think OHL teams are always looking for and, and hockey's always developing. It, it's so maybe that most creative aspect because it could go a lot of ways because it's not necessarily the guy that scores all the most. It's a guy that is creating some of the most impressive plays of the year. Yeah. The one thing that I kind of thought of, and it's kind of a little bit outside the box, but best pro prospect. Um, mm. I would be very interested to see what the coaches thought in terms of, you know, the player that they feel is going to transition the best to the NHL level. Um, you know, when you look at some of these types of similar polls in other regions and other sports, there's usually one category for the best pro prospect. And I think that would be a cool one to, to see. Added. Yeah. And that's when you could get a guy like Shane Wright or an Owen Beck. And that kind of gives that pro translatability factor into it as well. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe we got to petition the league here. <laughs> yeah, it'd certainly be interesting to see what coaches think about that. Let's move on to the final segment of the day, though. We've got the draft prospect spotlight. This week, we're looking into the Kitchener Rangers draft prospects this week. And it's the Carson Raycrop uh, center winger for the Kitchener Rangers, as mentioned. He's the 17th overall pick in the 2021 OHL draft. Six foot one, 194 pounds. He's January birthday. Uh, ranked in the mid to late second round for most of the, uh, across most boards. He's got 49 points, 24 goals, 25 assists in 59 games so far on a 57-point pace, so a little lower than a point a game in the OHL. 36 penalty minutes and minus 11 on a Kitchener team that's been wildly inconsistent this year. What's kind of your take on Raycroft? I really like him, and, and I'm going to tell you why. I think that consistency has been a major issue, um, not just in terms of offensive production, but – 
he's the type of guy where I've talked to scouts and not just like NHL scouts, we're talking amateur scouts as well. I've talked to a variety of different people about Raykov, and everybody seems to have a different opinion about his off puck play. Some suggest, you know, it's a major weakness for him, whereas others, it's a major strength. Does the truth lie somewhere in the middle? And I think it just depends on what night you catch him on. And I, he's somebody that I really like, but I do understand that sometimes he looks, I'm not going to use the word disinterested, um, but there are nights watching Kitchener where he is a lot more competitive and dialed in without the puck as a defensive player. Um, and there are other nights where he's kind of just coasting. And I think that is going to be the key to unlocking his potential because he's got a great shot. He's got really good athletic tools, um, really good first step, great acceleration, which he uses really well, I think, in the offensive end. That sort of like quick burst when in combination with his length, his strength on the puck, makes him very difficult to cover through the middle of the ice. Um, it's just a matter of getting to that spot consistently too. Um, and just getting in those spots for him to utilize his shot. Obviously, after the trade deadline, he's moved down the lineup in Kitchener and that's part of the inconsistency with his production. Um, a lot of his production in the second half has come on the power play, I feel like, uh, because he's got that space. He's getting the opportunity to play with higher skill players. Uh, but uh, it really depends on, you know, how everything comes together for him. And I, I think those are the types of guys that NHL scouts really are keying in on now. Those are the types of players that teams are finding a lot of success with if they develop them, develop them properly, right? Um, let me give you an example in Zach Ostapchuk with the Senators, mm -hmm. right? People were shocked when he was taken as high as he was in that early second round. And now the Senators look like geniuses because he's developed extremely well in the WHL. He had a really good World Junior Championship. He's playing great for Winnipeg now in the WHL. Looks like a really good, at least, third-line player, Um and if you can get somebody like that who's going to play through the middle of your lineup and be an asset in sort of a variety of different situations, that's a good pick in the late first to mid-second, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the big thing with Rakoff for me is that when he's on, this kid is absolutely on. He has an element of power to his game. Like you said, that first stride, he, he's got a very powerful lower half when he's actually putting in the effort, like you mentioned. He's got a really good shot. He, I think he has a, a four-goal game and a, a couple of the hat-tricks this year. The inconsistency is a big thing, right? There, there's so much to his game that you'd like to see come a step. But those flashes, those flashes are really, really intriguing because when he's able to kind of get that get that power element into his game and, and stay engaged and get going up the ice and attacking defenders in their feet, not worrying about the whether defender's going to cut him off, he goes and he cuts the defender off. He goes and takes advantage of, of their mistakes and, and forces them into mistakes. And I really love that about his game. Like you said, there's other nights, though, that he kind of just disappears. He just – it's not that he's necessarily floating around because he seems to be putting in some effort. He's just not getting to his spots as consistently. It's Maybe it's just a, he does the same kind of reads and he, they're not working against certain defensive structures or whatever it may be. I think he just needs to diver, diversify his offensive game a little bit. And then defensive game, like you said, some people have said it's really high end. Some people have said it's absolutely not. And I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. There, there are some times where he has good instincts. I think he has a good stick. He can, he's kind of one of those guys that I think in the defensive zone, he's there. And once he sees the opportunity to take that jump, make that that pass interception or break, break a play up, he'll do it. But he's never going to really force the issue. And I think that's the big thing with me with his defensive game. So Carson Rickoff certainly an interesting prospect. 
but I think he's kind of rightly ranked in that mid to late second round, maybe even early third. Where do you kind of have him on your board? I would probably put him in that like early second to mid second. I'm a little bit higher on him than others only because maybe most of the time that I've seen Kitchener this year, he's been really good. So I'm catching him on a lot of those good nights and I haven't seen the inconsistency issues as much as other people. So maybe there's a bit of bias built into that. One thing that I would love to see, and, and sorry, Kitchener Rangers fans, but I, I would love to see him playing at the U18 this year. Uh, I feel like he did a really good job in a bottom six role at the Holinka Bresky uh, for Canada this summer. And I would love to see him play in the top six on that U18s, getting sort of like maybe first or second power play time with really skilled players, playing against guys his own age and, and seeing how he does. I feel like that will give us a really good – measuring stick for maybe his offensive potential maybe more so than we have right now on him yeah i think it'd be, certainly be interesting to see him at the u18s because he is a guy that like i said when those flashes happen you're like oh this is a guy that could go in the first round like that has legitimate first round tools and then you catch him on a bad night like you mentioned and it's like wh- where is he what's he doing like he's you see his number you see him kind of skate by the screen or, or skate by uh, if you're watching the stands and he's not really involved. So he's. it's certainly going to be interesting to kind of see how he kind of continues going throughout the rest of the year. Like you mentioned, he's been down the lineup a little bit since the trade deadline and Kitchener acquiring a few guys to hopefully push them into the playoffs. But as much as they've tried, it's not looking great for them in terms of a long, deep OHL playoff run. So that U18s tournament could be a really good opportunity for Rakoff to build up his status and, and kind of earn some of that, that praise that we've all kind of put on him. Or, conversely, he has a monster first round in the playoffs and helps Kitchener move forward. And, I mean, that would obviously do wonders for his uh, draft stock as well. Yeah, it certainly would. He's an interesting guy for sure. But with that said, we've got nothing else for you for the podcast. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at THN on the, or at the Hockey News. Make sure you follow me at the Tony Ferrari. Follow Brock at Brock Otten. And please make sure you go to Spotify and Google Play or – Apple podcast, whatever you're listening on and subscribe, rate, review the podcast. It really helps us and it helps uh, keep the show going. Uh, make sure you're doing that. Uh, anything else, Brock, anything you got to say before we go? No, I mean, uh, almost all OHL playoff time. So we got lots to talk about in the coming weeks. Uh, OHL playoffs, the OHL cup, the OHL draft, it's all coming pretty soon. So lots to talk about on THN on the O.